welcome to That Happens, the rootinous, tootinest, uh, uh, mandolin. No, that's not a mandolin. Is that a ukulele? What do you got over there, Jeff? It is a ukulele. It is a Kamaka Kowood ukulele. I love that little thing. Hey, everybody. How you doing, Hapuccinos? It's, uh, it's uh, Crittenden and Davis and, uh, and Kevin Day uh, making everything possible and extra sexy. Uh, we had a, again. I, I, it's my fault that we're going on late because I woke up from one of those naps that you don't take. It's one of those day naps <laughs> that uh, you wake up from and you you're more tired after the nap. Mm-hmm. And I had a, a a video to record, a cameo and a memo. I'm on memo now too, which is another thing. M e double m o. And I woke up. Got in the shower, opened up a new pack of razor blades because I had my old one was crap, and I shaved, and uh, I sat down to do my video and realized it was 5:23 Pacific time, <laughs> which means seven minutes away from that happens. Oh, time to drink. Oh yeah, what you sipping on, Jeff? I'm sipping on an Anchor Lager. It's uh, from the Bay Area. It's a California lager from the good people at Anchor Brewing Company. Uh, yeah, I uh, if I hadn't had Cameo to do, which I still haven't done, but I have time to do that after this, um, I don't know that I would have been able to <laughs> wake up and do this uh, do this broadcast right now. But uh, I'm glad that I did because I, I, uh, I, miss, I miss you all. Dearly and, and and sweetly, is that us or the audience or who are you talking? I mean, well, first, I, in in order of importance, I would say Spencer, yeah, then yeah, Kevin, yeah. and then and then and then the Hapuccinos. Um, I mean, I, I don't even know who most of the Hapuccinos are, but I, I like them as a as a as a unit. Yeah, I like the idea of them, but the specific people, I'm not so sure. Um, yeah, I I'm like them. On, on- I like them on paper. Yeah, I'm sipping on a Mountain Dew USA, or what is it? Mountain Dew SA. You see this, Show, Jeff? Oh, God. It's just a no, filthy look, purple. And you know what the, the label, secret... Put the label on the camera so I can see how they do okay. this. Uh, Mountain Dew... SA. SA. So they're from San Antonio? Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, oh, I guess, yeah. No, it's it's the United States of Mountain Dew, Jeff. Three flavors collide, code red, whiteout, and voltage. So they literally just took three Mountain Dews, specialty flavor, and poured it into a big bucket. And they're like, we'll sell that as its Wait, own flavor. So this sounds just like a trash can of, of stuff they couldn't sell? Yeah, it's like a suicide, but of Mountain Dew, you know. Um, oh, it's God. it's it's not ideal. But, you know, it's well, back, what, what, what could, what This flavor be, existed what before, be, and now it's back. What could be more USA than uh, taking the dregs of some failed ideas and pouring them into a bucket and then putting them into uh, single-serve plastic and uh, poisoning you to death? I think that nothing says uh, Lady Liberty like Mountain Dew SA. Uh, you can almost taste the, uh, the, the liberty and the, the genocide. Yeah, for sure. It's by the country that brought you the mystery flavor of Airheads, you know? So this is what you can expect. Uh, Mountain Dew has some good... There's some new flavors, Jeff, that I've been trying to get uh, my hands on, but this is a consolation prize because, like I said, it's back, but it's not very good, you know? Can can you give me some flavor? uh, Can you nose it for us? Like, like, you know, you're you're a a sommelier. Like, tell us what it tastes like. 
I'd say the main flavor is from the Whiteout. Now, Whiteout is like a Mountain Dew version of Squirt, you know, kind of just a more general, like, biting grapefruit flavor, but just kind of flat. Um, but it also has a very wow. syrupy quality. So I'd say that's kind of the main body. And then you get some notes of <laughs> generic red flavor, like you might find in a popsicle, so you know, and then you have your classic like blue raspberry kind of blue popsicle flavor. So right. it does taste a lot like a melted popsicle, Jeff. But um, there, like I said, there's new flavors. Baja Blast is going to be returning to stores. Baja Blast, the uh, official Taco Bell flavor of Mountain Dew. You can usually only get it at Taco Bell, but now they're they're putting it in cans and releasing it again. This is another flavor that's coming back. And they're also introducing two new flavors, Jeff. The freaking Baja Punch and Baja Flash. That's a Tropical Punch Dew and a freaking Pina Colada Dew. Those are the ones I want to get my hands on. Can you imagine okay, now- what's going on? If, okay, if there's a pina colada do, mm-hmm. um, I might want to get my hands on one of those and then just mm-hmm. pour a shit ton of rum in it and just see what goes on with that. It'll make like a Malibu situation. Yeah, I could see something like that working. It could be really bad too, but I don't know. You know, that actually excites me. Not like this. This is literally just, you know, yeah. a barrel of Mountain Dews. Were you ever a cactus cooler fan? Uh, yeah, I like Cactus Cooler. It has kind of, I don't even, it has like an orangey flavor, right? And then maybe like some pineapple notes or something. I think it's a citrusy pineapple affair. Um, yeah. I don't know why Cactus is involved. But <laughs> when I was in high school, there, there was a, uh, a vending machine ne- next to the gymnasium. And uh, when I left school, my first stop was to go there and get myself a Cactus Cooler. And yeah. uh, it, it, it was good. It was very, it was you know very, very sweet, but also kind of tangy. Mm-hmm. When I go to the taco truck that I go to, they sell like fish tacos. Um, mm-hmm. The one of the best sodas they can have is Cactus Cooler. Like they have random sodas and it changes from day to day. Um, but Cactus Cooler is like the jackpot in my opinion. Do you go to Ricky's Taco Truck or the Fish oh, Taco Truck? Oh yeah, Ricky's Fish Tacos under the overpass on freaking I don't know what the name of that street is. It's so good. I love it. I think it's I, I believe it's Riverside or is it, yeah, yeah, it's Riverside. Yeah. Or San Fernando. I think it's, it's Riverside. One of those two. It's yeah, it's just around know. the it's just around the corner for me and my friends that are from Mexico say they are the best fish tacos outside of Ensenada. They they yeah. they, they, they they really swear by them. They're so good. They have a really, really nice crispy batter, and it has like just just enough salt to the batter where it's like, oh, yeah, I'm eating fried food, baby, but it's not over salty or anything. And then the fish is just really, really good quality. You know, it flakes apart. It's it's a nice, like, I think tilapia. I'm not sure. But I've never really had fish tacos, but that was the first place I've ever had fish tacos, and I was like, I fucking love fish tacos. That place is supposed to be legit. So, Kevin, you're saying that before, uh, because I was late and I didn't have my my headphones charged and all that shit, because I'm a negligent, uh, I'm I'm a, I'm a, I'm a absent father to this podcast. Uh, that you guys were showing robot bastard uh, behind the scenes stuff. Correct. Yeah, we were filling a little bit of time with that, and that's. that's Did what... I talk about how much how much I wanted to die in that costume? <laughs> it looked hot and sweaty. It really did. Okay, so if anybody's seen Robot Bastard or just watched those clips, uh, the costume we shot in a, in a warehouse in Milwaukee, and I don't think it was particularly hot in Milwaukee at the time, because Milwaukee can get kind of uh, humid and hot. Um, but on, on, a, on a soundstage, it gets very hot because there's lights, and you can't have the air conditioning on for sound purposes. Mm-hmm. And it was thermal underwear, 
to protect me from the costume, which was electrical tape. <laughs> they took, um, I don't know, maybe a hundred yards of old school, like you're putting a dimmer switch uh, in your wall and you need electrical tape, uh, just wrapped it around me and uh, it doesn't really breathe, as it mm -hmm. turns out. And I couldn't sit down. I couldn't take it off. So I couldn't pee or otherwise. You couldn't even and admit I could, voltage. I, 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 I was very safe from, uh, from spreading voltage. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, no, nobody was going to get any shocks from me, but, uh, except for my incredible acting power. Uh, but <laughs> it, it was so hot, and I, I don't know if, if I'm, I'm, I'm a very claustrophobic person in general. I became incredibly claustrophobic. And because I couldn't move, I really couldn't bend my arms. I couldn't sit down, so I had to lean up against a wall, like you know, an animal with one leg. Oh yeah, there, there's there's me. God damn that fucking costume! I, I was basically a trash bag wrapped in tape, and uh, and I was playing it cool there. Like if, if you're watching the footage, oh, this is my ex girlfriend Robia. More on her later. Uh, I, I told uh, one of the costume people or one of the PAs or somebody. I said, uh, look, I'm freaking out right now. Like, internally, I'm going a little crazy. If, um, if, uh, if I point at you, that's our, that's our code, you come running at me with scissors and get me the fuck out of this thing. <laughs> so I, said, I, I hope it doesn't come to that. And I said, also, when we're not shooting, I don't want anyone to come anywhere near me because I need to go, like, basically meditate. Mm -hmm. Because I was um, having palpitations and uh, trouble breathing uh, because I even I couldn't really even take a full breath so because uh, it was tight. I said, like if I point at you come at me with a knife and, and, and slice me out of this fucker um, and then they had to put me uh, uh, like not blood packs but explosive packs when I got shot so there was like spark spark packs and shit like oh, that wow. it was it was very fun though you got this squibbed yeah, I got squibbed. I love being squibbed. Uh, not when you're wearing an outfit completely made of electrical tape. Yeah, uh, it was. It, 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 it was. I'd rather have been actually shot uh, and, and, and murdered. You get some nice there, ventilation. There was a dude. Can we see him there? Okay, here's me. There's Rabia. Um, have we talked about Rabia before? Oh, that's a fucking fun shot. Oh, the little the sound tech girl with the short hair. She was so cute. What was her name? <laughs> I had a big crush on her, but she wanted nothing to do with me. Rabia was always a, a pain in the ass. Now she's like a, a, a minister. She, I, th I think she's like she's evangelical minister. She was the first girl I was ever in love with. My first love relationship. And if you're fans of Prince, the first fight Rabia and I ever got into. Remember, Spencer, and I've told you before about my psychic powers, right? Oh, uh, sure. Yeah, you predicted 9-11 famously. I didn't predict it. I was just aware when it happened, even though I wasn't. Right. Uh, I predicted <laughs> it while it If I predicted it, I should have called the authorities, because that, 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 otherwise, that's really, that's really on me. I guess you just um, dicked it. I, uh, she was addicted to what my dick did. Uh -huh. um, I forget which rapper said that. Um, was it Easy e No, somebody else. I was dancing at the Viper Room, and I, my head felt like turned by the hand of God towards the doorway, the staircase that you walk up into the club. And there was nobody there. And then this woman walked in, Robia Lamort, 
whose last name literally means death. death. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, I turned to my friend, uh, Angry Irish Paul, and I said, Angry Irish Paul, see that girl? And he goes, wow. I go, yes, we'll be in love. And we were like with, within a month. We got into a fight. We went uh, and, and, and while I was driving because we were both low, low blood sugary. And she goes, pull over. We're having our first fight. She goes, pull over to Tower Records here on Sunset Boulevard. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think it's now gone. And uh, I go, okay. And she goes, we're having our first fight. You know, I'm, I'm cranky. You're cranky. You're hangry. I'm hangry. This is, so, this is so long ago. Hangry was not yet a term. Right. And uh, that happens. Whoa, he said the thing. Holy shit. Yeah, you can you can solve you can solve that happens at oh shit oh shit he did it again I already drank my Mountain Dew SA so we go into the I must have told the story a thousand times I don't uh, I don't know just, that I've heard it um so we, we go into the record store and uh, record stores for you millennials out there were, were a place that you could go into and purchase um, compact discs uh, that had music uh, on them and uh, you mm-hmm. could go home and listen to your compact disc you could maybe even put it into your car later on uh but in early days like you had to have a sh- itunes it's like if itunes was a, a place that you walked. it was a time when recording artists made money <laughs> so uh we, she walks us over into the uh the p section <laughs> and as i say that that doesn't sound great uh mm-hmm. the, the, the letter p and she goes do you know prince of course i know prince and she says do you remember um, the Diamond and Pearl record? I go, yeah. And she goes, I was like, sexy motherfucker, get off, cream. Um, and she, she says, yeah. And she, and she takes a record out and she shows me the cover and she points to Prince and two white girls with brown hair. And she points to herself and she goes, I was uh, Pearl of Diamond and Pearl. And there were about maybe six or seven other people in the uh, Tower Records store. You know, not super close to me, but close enough to have heard me exclaimed this uh, exclamation. I said, oh my God, I jerked off to you all through high school. Yeah. So, that, so when you watch Robot Bastard, know that she's Pearl from Diamond and Pearl. And when Prince says, you got to move that big ass round this way so I can work on that zipper, baby. That's Robia's butt. Um, she was... I won't say she was the most fun to work with. She was a little high maintenance. And also, I was younger than her and I was afraid of her. She was terrifying. And then... Uh, I was a virgin when I met her. Uh-oh. I lost my virginity to her when I was 24. We, we had sex for the first time the day we broke up. And <laughs> I came out of my celibacy and we crossfaded. She went into her Christian celibacy because I was like a born again Christian. And then so was she. But like, I was like, oh, I like fucking people. And I'm going to start fucking ladies now. And then she was like, no more fucking anybody's. Mm-hmm. And I think now she might still be like a minister. Like she got really, really into it. Wow. You yeah. fucked God into her. <laughs> you know what? That's a very good way to put it, Spencer. <laughs> I put a little religion in her. Yeah. Wow. Yes. Yeah, I don't know if I've heard that story. Or I mean, well, who knows? We've done so much Harmontown and stuff, then so many Yeah. Because I think we, we weren't dating when we did Robot Bastard. We Rob cast her in that role, and we went out to Milwaukee together. And I remember the, the freedom of being with somebody who is high maintenance. And I'm not saying I'm not high maintenance. I'm probably more high maintenance than she is. Uh, at the time, though, maybe not. Uh, 
she just scared me because uh, she was her, her last name is Death, and uh, <laughs> I, I remember being in the airport with her, and she just was like, kind of just griping about something, and I didn't. I remember like going like, oh, like hey, fucking knock it off. <laughs> like, like it's gonna be all right, and and like not feeling scared that I was going to ruin a relationship by saying that. I was like, you gotta fucking cool it. Um, Dan Harmon, who was not in the film Robot Bastard, came out to visit us while we were shooting it because Dan and Rob are both from the Milwaukee uh, area. And I went out to a bar. I want to say it was called. Oh fuck! What was it called? It'll come to me. Uh, the it's got it had kind of a tiki surf theme. I don't know why there's surfboards in a Milwaukee bar. Um, <laughs> and I was like, "Hey, who's that guy?" <laughs> this is kind of shitty, but I'll, I don't know who cares. Yeah, uh, I was like, "Who's that dude? The sound guy?" Like I I've been working on the film for a couple of days, and I was like, "Do you know the the sound guy?" And Dan's like, "No, who's the sound guy?" I'm like, "He's just I don't know. He's kind of just it's kind of weird." I was like. And Dan's like, what's his name? I'm like, I don't know. It's like his last name is something weird. Like, you know, because Milwaukee names are hilarious. Mm-hmm. Robbie Schraub is the least weird name on the set. Because, <laughs> um, you know, their friend's name are Ramstack and, you know, Poppenfoos. Like, like, I'm not making those up. Right. So I was like, his name is like Fuznick or Asspatch. And Dan hit the bar laughing. And he goes, Mooshits. <laughs> the guy's <laughs> name... Tom Mushitz. So, yeah, I mean, that's just, that can't have been easy. If you, if you had the name Mushitz and you went to LA Unified School, you were dead. You would have been murdered because <laughs> you, somebody would have just stabbed you, I, I think. So maybe it was easier in Milwaukee. I don't know. Mushitz was uh, French for cow pie. <laughs> Mushitz. There was also a friend, Booblets. Booblets! The names... Yeah. He he went on to to own a a famous uh, seltzer brand, I would imagine. Oh, I would drink a Booblets. Right? Uh, Yeah. I'd rather rather have a nice, refreshing Booblets than a White Claw any day. (laughs) Also, fuck White Claw and fuck LaCroix. LaCroix, how do you fucking say it? I I, I don't want to know. yeah, one of those. What what seltzer do you like? Because those are pretty popular, right? None. I mean, if I if I'm gonna have a seltzer, I'm gonna have you know like a, just like a Pellegrino or a, mm-hmm. or a Perrier. I, I I don't like boozy seltzers because why not just have a drink? Yeah, but Lacroix's not uh, alcoholic. You know, like what about no. non-alcoholic? Uh, and Lacroix just doesn't do it for me. I, I'd, I'd rather have just water. Than yeah, me too. The, I don't know. Uh, to I mean, me, seltzer just tastes like unfinished soda. Correct. It's like, I'll just drink water if I want water, but if I want, you know, seltzer, I don't want seltzer. I want soda. So Rabia started taking me to church, and I, I, again, I was coming out <laughs> That's of what my... she called it. <laughs> <laughs> well, we only did that once. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it was what, like, we broke up, we had sex, I left, that was it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we made Robot Bastard a couple years later. So, oh, I would that go to her ch- after. Yeah, afterwards, I, I would go to her, her church in the valley on Ventura Boulevard, like kind of like Studio City ish. And it was a church. 
and again, I'm not anti-religion. Uh, I used to be really churchy. Like I, I would go to Bible studies and stuff, and you know, mm -hmm. I could quote some scripture and whatnot. Um, and uh, we would go to her church. It was mostly white people, uh, maybe a couple honorary Asians, and uh, maybe one black dude. Mm -hmm. But the band. Here's my thing. If you're going to go to church, and please do. Uh, there's there's stuff to learn if if if, if you're into learning stuff. But uh, here's my thing. I don't like church where it's folding chairs, like like metal folding chairs and fluorescent mm -hmm. lights above. And in the band, there's a bass player who's a white dude with dreadlocks. That's fucking draw the line at that. No white dudes with dreadlocks playing bass uh, in my religious uh, ceremonies. So it must be hard for you to find a church. It fucking is, man. Um, what about stacking I, I up, chairs? I feel like we had stacking chairs. They were metal, but they had pads. You know, like they had actually upholstery. That's better. Yeah, I I, I grew up in a, in a Lutheran school, like from preschool till third grade, and we would go to Sunday school. And I, I I liked Sunday school, even though it was cutting into my fucking you know skateboarding time or whatever I did as a three year old. Uh, I, I liked the stories. I liked hearing about Jericho's walls coming down and a dude being eaten by a fish and living to tell the tale. Um, but it was Lutheran, so it was kind of like Catholic light. Like it, mm -hmm. it, there was stained there was stained glass windows, and the there were altar boys that dressed up, and there was good music, and it was somber, and uh, it, it didn't ask a lot of you. You, got, you basically just got to sit there and just dig it, and you didn't have to sing along a ton and. You know, and there was no catechism or whatever the the, uh, the rites of the Catholic Church are. You didn't have to do a bunch of shit. Um, and I got to doodle, and the, and the and the pastor afterward would ask to see my drawings. He didn't care that I wasn't listening, but I was drawing what I was listening to, so he liked that I was drawing. And you know, I drew a picture of a dude on a cross or whatever, probably Jesus. Um, can, can either of you name the other two guys that were on the crosses next to Jesus? Uh, Jesus. Mary and Joseph, right? <laughs> yeah. I, see, a lot of people forget that next to Jesus, they had also crucified his mother and his father. People don't re yeah. remember that. And that's why you that's, go to church, to learn fascinating historical goodies like that. Well, if Jesus is a criminal, then the true crime was, you know, being his parents. You know you know what Jesus' main crime was, Spencer? Um, loving too much. Exactly. You knew what I was going to say. He loved what was it? What was it? I was going to say he loved too much. You oh. fucking nailed it. <laughs> yeah, Jesus, you know, you know, Jesus was seriously, you know, Jesus was laying pipe, man. <laughs> was he really? I don't know. He cucked all the Pharisees. What do you think? That's what got him in such hot water. He, he was, cucked all the Pharisees. He was just blasting, blasting nonstop. <laughs> he blasted so hard it withered a fig vine. Famously, what's the? Uh, I, I just heard a very good. I think it's Chris Christopherson, a song called "Jesus Was a Capricorn," and uh, it's basically it's like he he was barefoot, he had long hair, he hung out with hookers, uh, and if he came back today, uh, he'd get beaten up uh, by by the people that claim to be Jesus freaks. It's a, it's a, it's a good song. Yeah, religion. Uh, you said you don't have a problem with religion. I have more of a problem than religion. But wait, uh, who was uh, who were the two people that were crucified? I can't remember. Were, I don't they remember. Just nameless the, the, thieves. The, I thought they were nameless a, thieves. It was Tommy Estas and, and Dismas. Uh, who is oh, it? So nameless. Gestas and D Dismas. There you go. Okay, so you're making that up. 
Great no, question, I'm, I'm, Jeff. I guess the answer was really good. I <laughs> Justas and Demas. G E S T A S and D I S M A S. Okay. Dismas. Those are some good D and D names. I've got a. Uh, I have a little uh, Duma right here. It's similar, similar spelling. All so I. Um, the church that Rabia took me to was very born again and uh, what they call uh, fired up, where everybody speaks in tongues. And uh, I really thought, I didn't dig it because I felt like everybody was performing for each other. Maybe there are people that are, are so moved by the Holy Spirit that they actually start speaking in tongues. For me, it felt like um, group hypnosis right. that you did it because if you didn't do it, you weren't um, a good person christian or a good you know you didn't have uh, the spirit in you That's so everybody was going because you feel like the other people are getting it for real and it's like i don't want to be the only one that god's not speaking through you know it's like that's such a weird situation to be in i'd imagine and then the, the, here's another thing and listen, this is not me shitting on your religion or or I don't have a real hot take on Christianity or, or organized religion death. necessarily. Um, then there'd be the altar call at the end where the pastor, who seemed like a very cool dude, um, he told good stories. He was a good speaker. He made, made a good case for loving each other and all that jazz and uh, forgiveness and, you know. At the end of the uh, sermons... Like, like I think it happens in most, like, you know, evangelical or kind of fired up, you know, born again stuff. They, everybody close your eyes. And anybody here who hasn't accepted Jesus, raise your hand and come down. And the, it was an immense amount of peer pressure. And people did it because, not, not because, I, I don't think people did it because they were absolutely struck by something. They did it because they came with somebody who would have been very disappointed if they didn't go up and do it. Mm. And, 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 but we were all asked to close our eyes so they wouldn't be embarrassed. I'm like, okay, then you're asking them to do something embarrassing. That's, I, I thought that was really a, a, a shit way to go about uh, making people love God. I don't know. Yeah, no, there's a lot of weird, well, yeah, that's my, like, my screed against Christianity is that, like, inherent to the, you know, at least the scriptures of the religion, there's different ways to interpret anything, you know, but there's a lot of, like, wives submit to your husbands as someone does to the church and trust the church, and it creates all these structures of power and also, like, um, you know, the trials that various godly figures go through, like uh, Job, you know, he's just basically, his whole family dies and he was suffered, you know, essential torture for most of his life and it's just like and he did that that happened because god was um just like he was like hey satan check this out (laughs) that was like essentially what happened the the story of job and the story of abraham is just god being a dick yeah and it sets up (laughs) it sets up that like trust that terrible things are going to happen and that's okay and don't you know turn against the church lead and don't turn you know don't get divorced so it creates all these situations where people that are in terrible relationships or suffering literal abuse from church members are like oh this is just a trial or something where it keeps them trapped in situations that are really harmful and it also sets up this kind of us versus them mentality among the saved versus you know the the lost and that creates you know it kind of breeds xenophobia that's part of like mission trips kind of breed this weird xenophobia because 
because you go and you talk to a bunch of people and they're like, what's this weirdo fucking talking about? And then you're like, oh, it was so bad. I talked to these people and they just stared at me like I was a weird alien. And, you know, it creates this kind of in-group, out-group mentality. So all this stuff is relatively harmful. And it's just kind of not even, it's not even like evil necessarily, but baked into it is all this toxic kind of culture that perpetuates and normalizes a bunch of big problems. And yeah. like, I think there's a lot of good you can draw from religion, but even if you are drawing that, that still is happening just as a result. And I think that's really bad. And it's hard to weigh that kind of negative consequences with all the virtue and, you know, the life uh, help in the community that is positive about church. You know, I grew up in the church and there's a lot of stuff I like about religion, but I feel like it's hard to um, reconcile that with this kind of inherent grossness. Yeah, Rabia and I went a couple times to, and I forget the name of the church, but it was one of those, um, <laughs> I want to say A&E, but it's not that. What, what are the big black churches that are all over the country, the, the really old school uh, black evangelical churches? Oh. Can't think of the names. Um, we went to one that was like in Inglewood, <clears throat> and we were the only white people there. Mm-hmm. And it was absolutely awesome. I, th- I think I went there maybe four or five times. A and M, what are they called? I forget. Uh, I thought it was Baptist, like first yeah, people, Baptist, second Baptist it, church. Um, I can't think of what it's called, but like that really old school, you know, big, big church. We were the only two white people in the building, and people were so stoked that we were there. Everybody was so nice, um, and they, they were really happy to see. A non like 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 somebody coming to their church that wasn't a, a local neighborhood black person, and people like like just like you know young guys that you know th- this is back in the day when like still where it was really gang uh, gangland shit in the in that part of uh, you know L.A. So this is Sunday where everyone's dressed up and like just guys that were young guys that you know probably looked pretty fucking tough and hardcore when they weren't at church would come up and just say hey thank you for being here we're really happy to have you here mm-hmm. and it was uh, it was really cool and the music was absolutely rocking um, everybody really singing and uh, it's like th- there was a feeling of community there and of, and uh, like I don't know you I, I left there feeling so like purified by just how positive it was and how uplifting it was and how connected everybody was to each other. So I, I think there's something magical in that for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. God says, wherever two or more of you gather in my name, I am there, you know? Oh, shit. You did grow up in the church. I really did. There's a lot, like I said, there's a lot to it that I like. It's just, but it makes me like really judgmental of Christians, which I guess is, you know, against the Bible. But it's like, I learned all this stuff and I'm not, you know, getting mad at gay people or whatever. You know, it's like, there's a way to do this without being this horrible asshole. But so many people just use it as an excuse to be a horrible asshole, you know? And that's even aside from like my qualms with church. But yeah, it's, it's it's annoying. Do you know what Popeye's, uh, People don't really know that Popeye was a big Christian. Uh, do you know what Popeye's favorite book of the Old Testament was, Spencer? Um, uh, 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 no, no. Hit me with it. Hit me with it. Kevin, you got any idea what, what Popeye's favorite Old Testament book was? Um, no. It was Habakkuk. Oh no! Yes. <laughs> oh no! I was trying That's to think good. of like olive oil puns. That's yeah. All right. I think he anointed himself with olive oil frequently, but that sounds kind of dirty. Uh, 
Jesus goes into a uh, into a hotel and uh, walks up to the reception desk and puts three nails on the counter and says, "Can you put me up for the night?" Oh no! But could they? Um, yes, they nailed him to to a cross. Whoa! And he must be like, "This is my preferred form of sleeping." I don't know. Religion's fun. You know, it's fun. Well, uh, I went to uh, India with my ex-girlfriend Church. We went. Uh, I did a, like a corporate gig there, and uh, it was around Christmas time. India, which is not. I mean, there's a, it's a, there's loads of Christians in India, and and then there's there's Hindu, and then there's all there's Islam, and there's there's all sorts of stuff going on there. Um, I don't think Christian Christianity is the number one religion there, but fuck, do they love Christmas there? There was more Santa Clauses and more tinsel and more like like. They really love Christmas. And uh, I asked somebody about that. I'm like, what is up with you people and Christmas time? They go, we love every holiday. Like any, any holiday, any reason to celebrate, we love it. And Christmas in India is the festival of lights and giving. So you light things up, you make a light tree, and you light, hang you know, twinkly lights and fairy lights everywhere. And mm-hmm. basically everybody is Santa Claus. You, you're all giving gifts to each other. And I go, so you celebrate every holiday? And I go, yeah, like, like do you guys celebrate Hanukkah? And she goes, eh, not so much. <laughs> so. <laughs> but it wasn't because of anti-Semitism. Her, I, I thought it was a very funny response, but she goes, she goes, no, she's like, we kind of feel like that's more sacred to Jews alone. Like, it's a, it's a very personal holiday, whereas Christmas is kind of like, kind of come one, come all. Uh, we feel like you have to be a Jew to really dig a Jewish uh, holiday. So th- I think maybe they felt like they're kind of stepping on toes or maybe there was, there was too much new stuff to learn to, uh, to, to really get down on it. But uh, I just thought it was a funny a- anti-Semitism moment. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. um, you know, it's not, Hanukkah is not a huge Jewish holiday. It's certainly not one of the major ones. I think it's just the proximity of Christmas has like boosted it to this like oh it's this wintertime holiday but you know Yom Kippur is like a way bigger deal there's it's just not associated with the eight days and the menorah and the you know like gifts or whatever I wonder if gifts were always part of Hanukkah or that was like part of like the Christmasization of it or something you know I don't know I I have loads of Jewish friends uh and never once have I ever been I've never been invited once to a Seder to a Passover to a Hanukkah thing um it's it's I don't know if that's them being insular or, you know, maybe they're not really my friends. But I've always wanted to go because from all I've heard, it sounds like a good old time. Like the food is rocking, you know, there's a, mm-hmm. you drink some crap wine, you, you eat some bread with no yeast. It sounds fun. Corn beef. Yeah, we would do um, Passover seders at our church because our pastor thought it was important to like understand you know, these other cultural rituals and stuff. So he would do it pretty straight laced. Um, and, you know, they, there's all these Passover readings and kind of these rituals with like the bitter herbs and stuff. And they talk about what different parts of like the Passover plate meant. And it is it is pretty cool. Obviously, it's not like an authentic like Jewish experiment experience, because even though they were trying to, you know, do it the quote unquote right way, they still you know, didn't have the Jewish culture and heritage being brought into that. They were just, you know, following the, the patterns, essentially, you know. Mm-hmm. But it was cool. I'd like to go, I'm, I'm assuming it still happens. Like, I've, I've never been to the Borscht Belt, like, up to the Catskills and stuff like that. Like, I, I'd like to go to, like, a like an old school East Coast Catskill Jewish resort 
And I, I want to hear like old timey Jewish comedians. I want to hear like a Jackie Mason or a, or a Henny Youngman. I mean, they're dead. But uh, like, I, I want to hear like old timey Borscht Belt vaudeville comic stuff because you know like that, that that those jokes make me laugh so hard there's so many great jokes that really should only be told by elderly jews uh like they're not funny coming out of my voice uh i was on a plane once with, to. I, I was on a plane once with uh with sam simon our, our dearly departed friend sam who among other things was the reason why there's a, a show called the simpsons and he told me old jew jokes but in the perfect impression of Jackie Mason. <laughs> and uh, and I couldn't get enough of them. I'm like, these are the greatest jokes I've ever heard, but I really can't go out and tell them because I think you have to be an old Jewish writer or an sure. old Jewish comic to, to, to really get a laugh out of these. But but n- none of them were like anti-Semitic, obviously. They're just jokes that are only funny. They're funny. They're very Semitic. Yeah. They're, they're, yeah. They're, they're super Semitic. They're, pro, yeah. they're pro-Semitic. Yeah. <laughs> How do you know Sam to, Simons? What's the why? Well, this is news to me. What's the deal? Um, I, I knew Sam when I was broken, being evicted from my apartment when I was like what twenty seven. I was really really broke and owed everybody money. Uh, I got a job on Whose Line Is It Anyway, and I was going to get paid quickly enough to pay the rent in the new place I had moved into. And I was re- literally on the lam from uh, the the, uh, the L.A. Uh, sheriffs. I had 24 hours to get out, and it, the, oh, I just put shit in the trash bags and left. And then I got this job and met Drew Carey. The same week, I got a job on the Norm MacDonald show with yeah. Norm. And uh, and Laurie Metcalf was one of my fucking favorite actors of all time. And uh, I think she should have won the Oscar a couple years ago. And uh, Max Wright and... Uh, uh, fuck, I'm f- blanking on names. Artie, uh, Artie Lang. Artie Lang? Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, pre-nose collapse. And uh, it, was, it was really wild. And, and it was just a very, a very fun experience. I played a lesbian. I, if, if, you go, if you go back and find that episode, I, I play uh, a female nurse. Mm-hmm. And they can't tell if I'm a, gr- I'm a guy dressed up as a, as, a, as a woman for Halloween or I'm a, a woman who's just dressed up as a nurse for Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> it was very fun, and so that and Sam was an executive producer on that, and so then I uh, that next week I got a I got a call from my manager. No, here's how long ago it was. I had a pager. I got paged. Uh, pages were things that you use when you were standing in a uh, in a compact disc store uh, buying buying your music, and then sure. somebody would text you nine one one, and that meant like I want to fuck you. What's crazy uh, is they didn't even have pages, but they were called pagers. Yeah, it's true. Uh, totally lost my train of thought. Sorry. You derailed me. Um, so oh, the week later, a week later. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So, so my manager Tracy calls me up and she goes, um, "You have a meeting tomorrow at Warner Brothers with Drew Carey, who I just met and did one taping of of Who's Line with." Sam Simon, who I just briefly met on the set of the Norm Macdonald show, and Bruce Helford, who is the other executive producer, who also was executive producer on like Roseanne and shit like that. Like, mm-hmm. you know, so I'm, I'm, I'm meeting with three mega millionaires, and I don't know why they wouldn't say why. And I had to find money to put gas in my car, in my shitty old Honda, and I found about 45 cents in my uh, couch cushions 
that made it through the move from my place to the new place. Mm-hmm. Enough to get my gas tank out of the bottom of the red to the top of the red to make it to Warner Brothers. <laughs> and I hadn't eaten any food that day because I was fucking broke. And they offered me a pilot. Uh, they, they offered me the lead in a pilot. And I almost, I, to, I told Drew this later. I said, I, I almost asked you guys if I could borrow $5 so I could go to Del Taco for a week. <laughs> like, like, I, like a dollar at Del Taco back then meant something. Probably still does. Um, and uh, so that's, that's how I met Sam. And, uh, and Sam, kind of notoriously difficult to work with, kind of a pain. Um, always was the sweetest, coolest dude to me. Uh, we were to, we were at a strip club in Las Vegas together. We'd fly to Las Vegas, and somehow Vegas would find out that Sam Simon was coming, and red carpet would just roll out everywhere he went. Wow. They just knew that he was coming because he's rich. Mm-hmm. We were at a strip club together, the one that's across the street <laughs> from the um, the Hard Rock. <laughs> there was a very attractive dancer who was sitting at our table, and Sam took a cocktail napkin out and drew Bart. Bart nice. Simpson, and mm-hmm. signed it. And he goes, put that in your purse. That's going to be worth a lot of money. Wow. Like he, so he was like Picasso. Uh, but Sam was like the reason why uh, Simpsons first was on the air. Because he did Tracy, uh, Tracy Ullman and put Matt Groening's weird comic strip on the show. But mm-hmm. I think he also was responsible for most of the secondary characters like Milhouse and um, Mr. Burns and all that stuff. I think oh, he drew a lot of the characters. So yeah, he was awesome. That's and, awesome. Uh, I heard they were originally going to be called the Sam Symes. Does that make any sense? I don't know. Is that bad? Oh, my God. We were at a party at his house one time. Sam had this house in Bel Air. Then he bought the house next to his house. That is a uh, Neutra, uh, the the great mid-century modern architect, uh, test house. Uh, He bought it and refurbished it exactly to its original 1960s flavor. Mm, mm. And in his office, he had the Eames uh, office set. You know what I'm talking about, Kevin? The uh, the Eames like office furniture, like kind of oh yes, boxy kind of compartment you know kind of stuff. But I I was looking at it and it had rust on the hinges. I'm like because so it wasn't a reproduction. I go is this original Eames furniture? I I, I, I go this is like three hundred thousand dollars worth of uh, <laughs> office equipment. He's like eh more than that <laughs> and <laughs> a fucking like twenty Emmys like like, like Emmys everywhere and. And he's like, these are the only, these are the ones I bothered to pick up because some of them broke, some of them they never even sent me. Like, because Simpsons just kept winning Emmys and stuff like that. Sure. The party kind of broke up, and I was there with a girl, and Sam said, "Hey, um, people are leaving. Do you know any girls that we could invite over?" I'm like, "Yeah, but they're going to be a little on the shady side. So <laughs> like, if I'm going to call in last minute." Uh, female reinforcements like, they might include some jumbos you know strippers and stuff like that like some of the sure. uh, you know shady ladies from shady lane do you and mean he's like, jumbos Great. clown room as opposed jumbos to like jumbo room. side sized ladies <laughs> no jumbos clown okay. room the great strip club on hollywood boulevard right. and if you've not been to la and you've not been to jumbos and you haven't been to la uh <laughs> it's where um what's her name courtney love used to dance before she started murdering her husbands for a living wow uh yeah, it, it's very heroiny and very good. So, uh, so uh, my friend Nick shows up with like four or five, very attractive, but also, you know, th- th- these are runaways. These are, you know, girls with neck tattoos and whatnot. Sure. And they get in the hot tub, everything's fine. And then all of a sudden, the party is over. Sam's Wait. had enough. 
<laughs> what? Why? Because I, I don't think he was enjoying it anymore, and he wanted to go to bed, and now there's a bunch of <laughs> lunatics in his fucking hot tub. <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah. And that actually makes sense. He, here's the only time I've seen a party being broken up by the host. In one hand, he had a Louisville Slugger baseball bat, and the other hand, a thirty-eight revolver. <laughs> he's like, everybody out! Everybody out! And I took the girl I was with, and you couldn't get out without being buzzed out. Um, <laughs> so I hoisted her over the wall, and in my suit, like I threw my jacket over and fucking scrabbled over the wall. I was like, it's time to go. Uh, like, 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 I'm not waiting for Sam to hit the buzzer and let us out of here. Like, we're, we're going over the fucking 12-foot wall. And it's hard Very to fun. hit a buzzer with a pistol. Yeah. Man, Fantastic. that's a great story. But not as great as these advertisements from our sponsors. <laughs> Hello, my name is Kyle. Vote for me. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. And now back to the show. Um, Kyle approves this message. Yeah, thank. I just want to say thank you to all our sponsors, especially especially Kyle. You know these people. We wouldn't be here without you know the support. I can't tell you what he's done for us. We we do love Kyle. Can I tell you? Can I tell two? While we're eulogizing uh, Sam Simon, sure. Here's two. If you, if you think at any point you have great stories in your life or good I anecdotes, I mean, that. I, I like to think that I've got a couple of goodies. You do. Um, Sam was at a party at his house in Bel Air when he was a kid because he grew up rich. And he walks in on his mother fucking one of the guests, not his father, who was also at the party. <laughs> he walks in on his mom being banged by some old dude. It was Groucho Marx. <laughs> What? His mom was what? fucking Groucho Marx at the party. <laughs> now, Groucho Marx, again, there's another guy who lays pipe. Yeah, oh, tell me about it. <laughs> yes. Groucho Hold Marx me close. Bucks. Hold me close. Closer. Closer. If I was any closer, I'd be behind you. Uh, fantastic. Uh, also, my other favorite, other favorite Groucho Marx line. Uh, oh, Professor, you're so full of whimsy. He goes, really? Can you tell from over there? I always get that way when I have radishes. That's a 1930s <laughs> fart joke on film. It's just the best. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta take a whimsy. So, were you only ever an actor in that one part of the Norm Macdonald show, or were you in more of it? No, just once, and I had to learn how to walk mm-hmm. in uh, high heels. I had three inch. High heels. Um, I'm a size 14 in, in men's shoes. I'm a size 15 mm. in drag queen. They had to go to Hollywood Boulevard sure. to one of the drag queen stripper shops and find me some giant white pumps. 
And then I had the women that were on the set was like, teach me how to walk like a, like a woman. Because I can't look like a drag queen, like, like walking like a guy. Because, you know, mm-hmm. like, you can tell when it's a drag queen because they, they don't walk right. And, well, there's other reasons. Um, but that's on closer inspection. Uh, so I, I, I tried to learn how to walk, and uh, it, it, it was very fun. But the cool thing was all of my scenes were with Laurie Metcalf. And she was just so cool. And at the end of the uh, the taping, because we shot on a Friday night, and I was not going to see them again because it was just a guest star spot. I said to her, "So she's dressed up as a man with a mustache, and I'm a woman. And the whole the whole joke is she can't tell if I'm a cute guy dressed as a woman or a woman. Mm-hmm. And the, 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 everyone else has bets laid on the fact that I'm a guy, and she thinks no, it's it's." No, no, that I'm a woman. Everyone else is like, no, she, like it, right. it's it's a cute guy. And I said, I've had so much fun working with you and watching you, uh, like your. It's a corny word, but like your process, like when you, when you do sitcoms and stuff, a lot of people, especially comedians, don't really uh, rehearse that hard. I think that they feel like ashamed of rehearsing and like really working on stuff, mm-hmm. and they just kind of like I'll, I'll be funny on the night. She took rehearsal so seriously because she's from you know the theater she's from steppenwolf chicago you know like uh she really takes it seriously and i was like i said i just want to say it's been so fun working with you and just watching you work and then like how you take this so seriously and you're so great and she goes thank you that, that means a lot i fucking hate this i'm like what she goes this is the worst job in the world i hate it i hate the audiences i hate the cameras i hate the fucking i hate everything about this i'm like but you're like you're the best. And she goes, yeah, but she goes, I, I, if I had my way, I'd just take my daughter back to Chicago and do, do theater. Like, she goes, I mm-hmm. fucking hate this. I go, but what about, like, Roseanne? Like, the, the number one show of fucking forever, you know, for a long time. And she goes, yeah, that was different. People were watching that. She goes, nobody's watching this shit. Mm. And she was miserable. Yeah. So, uh, but when you, like, what was her movie, uh, Lady Bird? Like, like she's she, she's just a fucking good actor, mm-hmm. and uh, it, it Norm <laughs> on the show night disappeared. It was a seven seven a seven p.m. rather, uh, like start of the taping. The crowd is loaded in at six o'clock. Mm-hmm. At seven thirty, Norm is nowhere to be found, and they would do a speed read up in the in the green room. Where you, just, you do a speed read through the through this uh, script, and it was basically just for Norm to make sure that Norm was like sober, <laughs> and so he's what gone. If he wasn't right. Uh, yeah, the, and also Max Wright, the dad from Elf, like that that dude, crazy alcoholic. Mm-hmm. He would they, he he wouldn't show up for a table read because he was in Connecticut in a ditch in his car with three bottles of champagne in his lap, like, mm-hmm. like he was he was in the, not long before I did the, the taping of the Norm show. Max Wright was in the National Enquirer and other tabloids for photos of him doing crack with homeless gay guys. Wow! Uh, so this cast was pretty wild. Sure. There was a lot of depression and a lot of uh, addiction and stuff like that. Artie Lang was the kind of level-headed one on the <laughs> show. <laughs> and we're sitting there, and I'm like, is everything going to be okay? Like, do we, Are we doing a show tonight? And, like, and everyone's like, we, we, like, anyone got a 20 on Norm? No one's got a 20 on Norm. And they, they got people running all over the Warner Brothers lot trying to find him. Mm-hmm. And I, I turned to Artie Lang, and he offers me a cigar. 
I'm like, I don't smoke. He goes, do your friend smoke cigars? I'm like, yeah. He goes, take a few cigars. <laughs> so he, he gives me some lovely Nat Sherman cigars. And uh, I'm like, thank you for that. And I go, is this regular? And he goes, every week. And he said, uh, he, he said he does Xanax by the gram. Not the milligram, by the gram. Uh, they finally find Norm. He comes in. <laughs> he's wasted because he's totally afraid of going on camera, apparently. And he has to do a bottle of, uh, of Xanax. And Artie Lang, of all people, who is you know, not known for his, uh, for his uh, what would you call it? Discretion when it comes to alcohol and drugs. Right. Uh, uh, his moderation turns to me, and Norm sits down, and Artie, great quote, turns to me and goes, "The man is one Xanax away from an Emmy." <laughs> <laughs> we do the speed read. Norm gets out there, and absolutely nails it. Mm. One take every time, perfect. But to get him to get his ass out of the trailer and onto the set was a fucking giant ordeal. Sam and he pitched a show one time. Sam, Sam <laughs> told me, I think they went to like either USA or FX. I forget which network. It was either early days USA or FX. And it, Norm's totally nervous and hates meetings and you know just overwrought with his own brain. And again, he's one of the funniest stand-ups I've ever seen in my life. I fucking love Norm Macdonald. Mm-hmm. Um, Couple minutes into the meeting, Sam tells me, Norm goes, excuse me, um, I'll be right back. I have to go shit myself. He was worried that he was going to shit his pants. <laughs> Went out, was gone for like a half hour. Like apparently he might have already shit himself or something. And then he came back in and the meeting was more or less over. And, 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 like the, the show never got up because like, like, oh, you're crazy. But yeah. I, I do love Norm MacDonald. Crazy colon that didn't work one other great Sam Simon story if I may um, Sam as a kid his dog ran away up in uh, in Bel Air or Palisades or where, I, th- I forget where he grew up either Bel Air or Palisades or probably both um, mm. so he's, he's gone around town and he's put up posters of you know a picture of his dog and he's nailing him to trees and a few days goes by and he's all sad because his dog is probably de- run over or dead or whatever or stolen and a Big Cadillac pulls up in front of Sam's uh, Sam's house, and the passenger door opens, and his dog leaps out. And the guy driving the car goes, "Is this your dog?" And Sam goes, "Yes, it was Elvis Presley. <laughs> Elvis <laughs> Presley found his dog." So, oh, rich people, wow. yeah. Groucho fucked his mom, and Elvis found his dog. I mean, that's just that's just too good to be true. Oh, there's an episode title. <laughs> Should that there? That it's a little long. But can we say fucks in an episode title, Kevin? Or is that Apple going to get on us for that one? They don't like. I think that we'd, ha- we, we'd have to censor it. Yeah. But I'm still okay. writing it down. All right. Shit. Did I talk? I, I fucking didn't shut up. I, I came on late and never shut up the entire time. And now we're do we do we even have time for D and D? Yeah. I mean, those are these are all a bunch of good stories, though. You know. Yeah. I miss Sam. He he uh, he was a complicated dude. Um, and absolutely a super genius. He was like, when he graduated from Stanford, he was a writer on uh, Fat Albert. And then, I think at age 24 years old, he was a showrunner on Taxi. Mm-hmm. And then they took him onto a failing show that wasn't doing well in season two called Cheers. He made that funny. 
Um, and then he gave us it's Gary Shandling's show and Tracy Ullman's show and then Simpsons and all that jazz. Like, yeah. Damn. That's a career, huh? Yeah, he was an infant terrible. A, ter- God, a terrible baby. He was a terrible baby. <laughs> you must have been a terrible baby. Oh, God. I'm so sick of my own voice. I'm sorry, everybody. I just talked the whole goddamn time. That's okay. Let's, uh, uh, you know, I'm I'm over it. I'm over you talking. <laughs> <laughs> me too. Do you How does anybody ever again? date me? How do you be a girlfriend of Jeff Davis? He never shuts up and he tells the same seven stories 11 times a night. Well, there's a point to which I'm sure it's, uh, you know, entertaining and then it gets... Yeah. What, what is what is my what is my fear? I wonder that if I don't keep talking, that the world will, will stop turning. I think that's, I think that might actually be my deep seated fear is that something terrible will happen if I just ever be quiet. Well, were you talking when nine eleven happened? No, I was sleeping. Exactly. Oh, so there you him. go. See, don't do this to me, Spencer. <laughs> <laughs> I really. I've got enough on my plate right now for you to hang fucking 9-11 on me. <laughs> Although, speaking of 9-11, and speaking of me speaking, uh, I was sitting at a bar today watching the Euros uh, soccer, international football competition, mm. and uh, my phone, I hadn't touched, my phone was sitting on the, on the table, and it just turned on without any, I, didn't, I hadn't said Siri, I hadn't like, touched it, it just turned on. At 9-11. I think my phone knows <laughs> that my, it's 9-11 is such a joke that, it, that my phone is now, like, shrobbing me. It knows the joke. I think so. I have learned the joke. That's okay. Cool. I'm going to read you my episode. Fi- can, can I read my yeah. episode 15 D&D notes? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, please. Okay, recap. San Belay, Hobgoblin fight, we win. I'm down to HP minus one or just one. I'm dying. One. Uh, I, pull, I, I pull Big Copper up the cliff. Here, this, this is confusing. Dick Cock Rock question mark. Yeah. Dick Cock, cock rock. rock. Or, or Dick question Rock mark. or Cock Rock. There was a we big go rock back to Salt Marsh Town. Three men and a baby. Elf yep. versus thugs. Human and dwarf and baby. Dwarf makes an earth tower. I climb up. Baby. <laughs> baby. <laughs> oh, that's, that's right. There was some creepy-ass baby who fucking made a, made a tower out of earth. I don't think the baby made it. I mean, who knows? No. We'll have to find oh, no, 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 the dwarf did. The dwarf did, and I climb up, and there was a baby. I think he might have made a tower of fucking poop in his damn pants. And um, Kevin, is, right. Kevin is Sir Jonathan DeFever, which is an awesome WKRP reference. Yeah. All right. Well, do you want to hit the music then? Let's do this. Last time on That Happens, our heroes, after having defeated San Belay and fleeing to a sea cliff, they climbed up the sea cliff, and then they happened on their way back home to get paid for the quest they did. But then they met a freaking elf who was being accosted by uh, freaking two other guys. And also a baby. Who knows what was happening there? Intervening, the tax collectors decided to resort to violence. And our heroes uh, 
did violence. And when I say our heroes, I mean an extra person because one of the people in the fracas was Sir Jonathan DeFever, and he became one of our heroes for the rest of the series. And so then they fought. They fought the taxmen who erected a tax shelter, and they fought, and eventually they killed each other, and the baby, the baby, what could I say about the baby? He shit himself. Fuzzy Knuckles was like, am I going to have to kill a baby? But it didn't seem to go that way. But then uh, Jonathan killed the one guy and Fuzzy Knuckles stabbed the other guy in the tits and it killed him as well. But now what would happen? What about the baby? Find out this time. I don't know on that happens. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of stretching there. Okay, so we got we got a dead dwarf and a dead uh, human tax collector. Yeah, and, and now so we, now go ahead. You're on top of this earthen tower with the baby, and then the guy you you just immediately stabbed the guy. You could see him bleeding out on the ground, and then like magic, the the earthen fortress that you're standing on uh, disappears, leaving you and the baby plummeting towards the earth. Do I have like feather fall or anything like that? I don't think I do. I don't think so. Um, well, I'm a cat. I mean, I'm a tabaxi. The cats usually land on their feet, don't they? Sure, but what about babies? I hold the baby uh, and I cradle this baby in my arms and do my best to land softly on the ground in, in, uh, in feline, uh, agile fashion. All right, do an acrobatics check to see if you can successfully save the baby. <laughs> I'm adding. Hold up. That's uh, 18 all total. All right. Oh man, you land. You land with the baby, and it's so graceful. You don't even feel your knees. Don't even feel the impact. So, so graceful is this fall. You know, the baby could almost fall asleep in your arms during that landing. That's how graceful it was. But instead of falling asleep, the baby's eyes start glowing a holy light. And the baby starts floating up into the air, engulfed by a magical tempest of wonders and light. What the fuck? The, you could hear... Uh, uh, oh, wait. No. Um, you've uh, Jonathan DeFever, you've heard of this. You've heard of this phenomenon. It's known as a baby of fate to symbolize the the change of fortunes and in, in, in chance meetings that shake the realms. Occasionally, a celestial baby is is born to the earth to bear witness to the new events before being taken up by the multiverse. Wow. So th this is a very good sign, guys. This is this is the best thing that could possibly have happened to us. I'm I'm so excited you're here to witness this. I, I've only heard of these happening before. Big Copper's like, fate baby's pretty good business, baby. And I know babies. <laughs> Sorry. One could say uh, this is a fortuitous meeting. We should all be friends. <laughs> Uh yeah, I uh I I I walk over to uh Sir Jonathan DeFever and uh I I extend a uh a paw and uh 
But I, 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 I'm aiming for one of those ones where you don't shake hands, but you go for the wrists, like you know, kind of like a, like a kind of a braveheart. Yeah. Oh, is that what that's about? Like feelings they have a dagger. That's what they say. Who knows? Uh, I don't know. Well, I, I go it's over there. It's a badass there. handshake, though. It's what I, I, real I, men I, do. I go over there and I give him a badass handshake, and I say, uh, "If that's what I think it was, that that was a celestial fate, baby, which I've only ever heard tale of." Um, um, we could use a guy like you uh, on our team. Uh, thank you guys so much for your help with this. I, I'm pretty sure I would have died had it not been for you guys just showing up there. I, I would love to learn more about what you guys are, are doing and uh, see if I can help out. Come on now, you handled yourself pretty well in that combat there. I say, I, I say, let's go back to Salt Marsh. That sounds like I, a fantastic idea, guys. Let's uh, drinks are on me. Let's 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 go uh, learn about each other. Bef- oh, well, I love it. Uh, before <laughs> that, are, are, are there, there there are two dead people? There's a dwarf and a human that are dead that we've killed, right? That's true. I I, I, I go through their pockets or pouches or whatever they've got to see if they have anything of interest or value. Um, they each have a bow and they each have a short sword. The short swords look like they're made by dwarves. Um, they don't look particularly new. They look like they've seen some, some heavy use, but they're dwarven weapons, which are, you know, high quality military grade weapons. They're not super, um, these ones are like mass, mass, uh, manufactured ones as opposed to like, you know, dwarven, dwarven craftsmanship is super, you know, renowned throughout the world, and these aren't like these don't have that kind of quality to them. Okay, but, but no, no money, money on them. Anything. As tax collectors, I'm 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 assuming that they've they've got some 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 dough on them. Yeah, they don't have any money. Their their clothes look like old kind of uh, like really old worn. They have holes and and dirt and you know dried blood on them. But they're old like war uh, war. Uh, what do you call? It? I don't know. Like soldier uniforms from the mm-hmm. kingdom of Keeland, which is the owner of the of Salt Marsh in this territory. It's like this is a t- like a uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's like a colony. This is essentially like a colonized area under the domain of Keeland, but Keeland is not close to where you are. I'm sense. starting to feel like these tax selectors might not have been legitimate. <laughs> what gives you that idea? Well, it just doesn't add up, really. They should have had some money. They should have had some tax documents. I, I, I think we were being robbed, guys. Around these parts, the only tax collector is Hush Money. He's the guy who gave us the quest. Oh, you know what we should do? Let's go talk to Hush Money. Because uh, I, I, I don't think we're getting a straight story out of that dude. All right, let's do it. So you head, you head to Salt Marsh. The last time you saw Hush Money was in Ohulahan Pub. And uh, so as a result... You know, you're like, maybe that'll be the place to find him. So you go, you go into a Hulahan pub, and again, it's got a giant whale tongue hanging from the ceiling. It's a, a pretty cozy bar. I've again compared it to, uh, what do you call it? The drawing room. Um, cool Dennis is there. You see some of the people you saw last time you were there. And you also see Hush Money, the frail wisp of a man, hunched over the bar. And upon closer inspection, he seems to be asleep. 
I walk over and uh, wake him up and sit down across from him. Oh, who's that? Oh, oh, it's just you. Oh, oh, you're back. What, what's the news from the haunted house? It's not a haunted house. Uh, it's There were smugglers that were pretending it was a haunted house, and they've been smuggling stuff and stealing stuff from Salt Marsh, and they've been selling it and doing business with lizard people. And um, I, I find it... For, Silly that you didn't know that sending us in there. Like you, you basically sent us in there to our our, our death. But uh, fortunately for everybody, uh, we're, we're made of stronger stuff. Yeah, we sent some city guards in there to their literal deaths. They didn't. They didn't come back. That's why we had to get outside help. I sound like okay. a big copper now. <laughs> uh, anyway. So, so uh, first, first of all, you're you're gonna pay us. And I, yes, I, I like know that we agreed. <laughs> I forget what we agreed on. We agreed on 200 GP, gold pieces that is. And I'll hand you 100 GP. And then, then the other 100 comes very soon. Because this, this information you've told me is very strange and troubling indeed. If things such as smuggling are happening outside of Saltmarsh, I'll have to summon the Council of Olds. If you give your report there tonight, you'll get the other 100 GP. Sounds good to me. Got to get to the bottom of this situation. You understand. Uh, yes, I do. So, okay, so I, I have to, we have to go to a city council meeting to get the other 100 gold pieces? Yes, I will summon up the council for an impromptu meeting for to hear your report, and then we will decide what needs to be done and pay you your money. But that won't right. happen until this evening. You got an hour, couple hours, if you want to, you know, hang out until then. Go, go see the sights. Uh, I don't suppose you have a place you're staying. You just arrived in Salt Marsh. Is that true? Uh, yeah. Uh, is, is this is this like day two? Like when? What? How long ago did we come into Salt Marsh? Is it yesterday or today? Uh, let's say this is like day three. Um, you came in like the day you got the quest. I think it took like a day to get there, and then like another day like hiding out on the on the sea cliff or something like that. So it's been about three days. Can you recommend a nice uh, inn that we can stay in until uh, until later? I, I mean. We've had a pretty rough go of it, so maybe some uh, some a nice little nap would be fantastic. Cool, Dennis might be able to furnish you a room. Uh, there's no inn in these parts, but you know sometimes guests give up their homes for monies to quarter adventurers. Okay, okay I, I walk over to Cool Dennis and ask him for a place to stay so we can cool our heels for a couple hours until the council meeting. All right. Cool Dennis is like, hey man, I think we can get you get you a spot. We could get you a spot in old Crunch's hut. And uh he, he kind of gestures over to to who seems to be old Crunch. And it's a dragonborn, a dragonborn in leather and scale armor. He looks all scarred up and he's he's kind of like a dusty green color. But you know, he looks like a, a half man, half dragon or some shit. And uh, he's like, that's old Crunch. Hey, Crunch, get over here. And then Crunch is like, whoa, whoa. Hey, guys. Hey, uh, Mr. Crunch, uh, you got room for three three people to uh, kind of just, you know, squat for a bit. We got, you know, we've had a long, 
a long day. I yeah, three I got a guest bedroom, but it's only got one bed. <laughs> you could have um, it for free, though. You could use it, you know, free of charge. Um, I'm cool sleeping on the floor. I'll take a little cat nap, if you know what I'm talking about. Oh, oh, oh yes. Oh, yes. All right. Um, so, yeah. Do, uh, do you want to head there now? I was just about to settle up. <laughs> yeah, let's let's do it. I could, I could, I could use a little. Uh, I, I could use it like so, I could use a little bath, or you know, just uh, maybe something to eat. Oh yes, yes. Oh and yes. Can you tell me? Um, you, you'd think I would have met more dragonborn people in my life. What is, what's up with being dragonborn? Dragonborn are the chosen of the dragons. Ages and ages hence. Dragon, dragonborn were dragons, but they they wanted to become more perfect, and and try and in their in their uh, what do you call it attempts, they decided to make dragonborn a race that would talk and live with the humans, not so far removed as the dragon race is, as powerful and ancient as are they, but a race that was more like humans and elves and others, that they may learn more about people on the level of the people. And then can you breathe? Can you I like, showed up? Can you breathe fire or fly or anything like like you got those dragon skills? I can't fly, but oh boy, I'm a green dragon, so that means I can spit poison. Oh shit! What uh, what wh- what do you do in town here, Crunch? I'm a mercenary. I go where I'm needed. Well, I like I like the sound of that. I'm I'm kind of a mercenary myself. Hell yeah. Mercenary bros. <laughs> well, this is Big Copper. This is uh, Sir Jonathan DeFever. Uh, hey, baby. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, hey, Old Crunch, uh, let, let, let's go to your place. Are, are, are you going to be at the uh, the Council of the Olds tonight? No, that's not my style, going to the freaking old smeller place. Old Council Hall. Okay. Well, I gotta say, for D and D fans out there, this has been some riveting shit. We uh, we we went to town and we 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 booked an Airbnb for, for the afternoon. Sometimes that's just how it goes in the old Hoolahan's pub. So, okay, I'm gonna hit pause here. Table talk. Uh, the the baby was with the tax collectors. The magic celestial baby. Uh, you don't know, um, uh, Jonathan. In your recollection, you just remember the baby being there. You don't remember, you know, the tax collectors showing up holding a baby or them walking with the baby, placing the baby down. You don't remember any of that. You just are like, there's these guys. Oh, and a baby was there. <laughs> but it we do know that that was a very fortuitous sign that a celestial fate baby. Uh, uh, after saving his life from falling off of a thing, he floated up into the skies and made a bunch of lights. Yes, the appearance of the fate baby is an excellent omen. Well, I um, do. Is there a way that we know we can cash in on that, or that just kind of like that just makes it seem like like there's good good stuff is in our future? I guess you can cash in on it by you know cementing the bonds of fate that were woven at your meeting by becoming great adventuring friends 
All right. Hey, everybody. Uh, are, are we at Crunch's uh, crib? Oh, yeah. Here's hors d'oeuvres. <laughs> Thank you, old Crunch. Uh, I really, really do appreciate it. And I, I look over at uh, a big copper who, of course, we already have a strong bond because we've been through a lot of shit already. And I look over at uh, Jonathan DeFever and I was like, um, the fate baby don't lie. Um, I think that we have to uh, cement our bond together with um, with uh, a toast. Mm. And uh, I say, Big Copper, do you have any toasts like like any like any bond cementing uh, cheers that you can that you can say to the group? He goes, "Here's to wait." He goes, "Here's to two of the finest people I've ever met." And here's hoping they'll become a powerful duo as I run out of here to attend to other business. See ya. And he runs away. Ah! What? Cliffhanger! Big Copper has just fucking boned out? Yeah, yeah, he boned out. He's got other business. Well, we got old Crunch now. I think we might have traded up. Fucking <laughs> spitting poison and whatnot. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you, Hapuccinos. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being here. Sorry I was late and being uh, a bad dad. <laughs> the bad dad of the podcasting world. <laughs> uh, what what uh, my favorite, well, not my favorite part. My favorite part is, of course, hanging out with, with Spencer and, and Kevin. But then Kevin sends me and Spencer a list of, of potential uh, episode titles. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, there, there might be some weird ones. Uh, let's uh, r- raise a glass to uh, to Sam Simon, to Rabia Lamore, to uh, Jesus Christ, uh, to ha- ha- Dasmus and Gastus. What, what are the homeboys' names on the other Dismas crosses? Dasmus and Gestas or something? Yeah, something like that. It wasn't Isthmus. I know that. And um, I know they're in heaven. I hope so. Um, thank you, Hapuccinos, and uh, Happenstances, and Happalations, and uh, all y'all. Um, you can find me uh, on Cameo, on Memo, and on Patreon. Spencer, what you got? Uh, check me out on Twitch. Follow my TikTok, which, uh, if you hadn't guessed, is at the Sixler. Um, it's the it's my you know username on literally everything. So you know what we didn't talk about. There. Maybe mm-hmm. we could talk about next time is the, the the time that Spencer accidentally sent me and Kevin porn <laughs> on a text <laughs> communication. That's all the time we got tonight, folks. Oh God. <laughs> Ha <laughs> ha